as when another thought comes, it, that can be removed. But this can never be removed. Your covenant of peace will not be removed from us. Neither will your peace when you have things under control for us. As we offer them up to you through prayer and thanksgiving. And we bless you for this time. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> amen. So we were talking about the fact that when we go through a trial, we don't smell of smoke. And the fire has no power over us. So it's a good thing to know that. But that's only if we are in Christ in our trials. Uh, how many of us know that testings of our faith come because our faith needs to be tested? This is just the way the world is made. And so it's not like you have perfect faith for all things. Faith isn't a, uh, I know some people used to say you, you have a blank check with God. And then you get to write in your blank check and find out somebody protests when you go to take it to the bank, you know. And so you find out that there is a warfare over these things anyhow. Whether we believe it or not, the warfare is done. And that is the testing of our faith. And the test is this. Are you going to stay with what God told you? Are you going to move with God? Or are you going to shrink back in fear, try another way, or just try to ignore it and see if it will go and leave you alone? And we know that none of those are God's uh, will for us. His will is for us to uh, hold on to him throughout the trial and be led by him through it so we get through it without any harm. Uh, Jesus has borne all the harm that we would ever have to bear in life. He's borne all the pain, all the suffering, all the sorrow. All the regret, all of those things that affect your soul negatively, uh, Jesus has, and your body, Jesus has borne those things. And so we have to <clears throat> look to him for leadership in these areas. You can't just take it for granted that he's going to do something because you want it done or do it because you think it ought to be done. He does things after the counsel of his own will. There's always a test of strength in the in the believer and test of commitment in God really is what it is. It's a test of your faith in God to do everything he says he's going to do in his word. So this is his time to prove his word to you. And your time to prove that you trust him through these difficult situations. And so we are going through. We're going to make it through. We know that we need power to make it through. And that power is Christ. So we were speaking also about <clears throat> some of the things. You know what the savor or the smell is. What's, what's being consumed in our testing. Uh, we talked about your faith is being tested, but also there are some things that are being eliminated from your life that are not helpful to you. There are some attitudes that get changed. There are some fears that get dispelled and get conquered. There's all kinds of things that happen. And so the, the things that are impure, the things that will not avail you and will not help you in life those are the things that get burned in the fire of testing and so it's referred to in many places in the bible as a refiner's fire so we are not being punished we are being refined there's a difference because if you were all flesh it would be a punishment but because there's a nugget in there a uh, 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 precious uh, spirit that's in there that's going to come out in a refined uh, fashion then we can say it's a good fire for us because it refines us it helps us to come forth uh, without the impurities without the dross without the <clears throat> Uh, things that God really cannot use. He cannot use our, our fleshly carnal ideas. He can't use our, our carnal help. Uh, all of these things get burned up in the refiner's fire because you'll find that just like the, the example we're going to use of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are pretty much bound if we will obey God. If you obey God in a test, he doesn't need your help and you'll find that you're bound in this fire. Also, you don't come out until he's done. And so you're bound and you're uh, 
immobilized and you're restrained from doing whatever you would want to do uh, to make it more comfortable to you in the natural and what happens is you find out you know what I'm a lot stronger in God than I thought I was you know because it's the endurance thing that really will get us over people who can endure have an advantage over people who are impulsive impulsiveness uh, shows that you're more attuned to the natural and circumstantial than you are to the spiritual and so what God wants to do is get your focus off of what's going on the natural and get you to understand the spiritual truths that are being taught here uh, the spiritual things that are coming forth here so there is a, a component where God wants the spiritual to uh, be manifested through us he wants us to um, if we if we thought we were um, uh, loving people beforehand trust me you will be so much more loving after after the fire the refining fire if we thought we we did good things for God you're going to be so much more capable of doing more good things after the refiner's fire and so we have to understand that this is the plan of God for us this is planned activity for us the Bible says in the world we will have trouble so God lets us know to expect it it's not a happy road all the time if you have trouble it's not because you're a bad Christian necessarily uh, you can be a forgiven Christian and, and be assured that he's not holding anything against you and so you know that's that's kind of like a done deal that's a non-issue you anymore uh, I wish people would would check their brains when they start trying to wonder what they did to get themselves where they are uh, when you're drowning you don't stop and think how did I get in this pool you know you try to get yourself out and anybody with with rescue mentality will seek a way out and then after you get up on the shore if the lifeguard wants to tell you well didn't you see that sign out there that said no you know that that's for after they get a they they get a rescued person on the shore and so all of these things that we do in the midst of are really uh, delay tactics they keep us fiddling around instead of confronting they keep you going around in circles because if somebody told you what you did you'd argue with them you know you just just all carnal fleshing out well I got faith well I didn't do that well see you understand my situation you know what I hear that I know somebody's off in the flesh and so what we try to do as believers is help one another to stay in the spirit with these things to address them spiritually uh, to acknowledge them spiritually <clears throat> there's a lot God's doing in our lives that we have no clue about and so we have to really trust him when things aren't comfortable when they're not the way we want them to be that's when you get refined that's when he lets you see what's really in there what needs to come out and what he's going to do with you at the end of the process you know we don't feel that we're that changed but wait until you get into the next situation and you'll see that's a totally different person that came out than what went in initially and so it makes a difference that way so anyway when we go into these trials we have to understand that God is refining us so that this sweet savor of Christ comes forth and we emit that sweet odor that incense and we talked about there being an altar of incense in the tabernacle God God commanded that incense be burned continually now why is that important you know the Bible speaks of God <clears throat> smelling things down here not just seeing but he can smell what's going on down on earth all the the when man was was sinful continually the Bible says the odor of man's disobedience or the stench of his sin came up into God's nostrils and it was not pleasing to him and so God prescribed he said now when you start worshiping me there's certain things I want and he said I want some incense burning all the time because I want to know that I have a people down there who are obedient to me and the way I know it is by what I smell you know it's like I just want to smell something cooking in the kitchen wife 
you know so I know you care about me and you know uh, uh, you know we got a home here it's not like we got a drop in place we have a real home I had a teacher once in the Bible I I thought it was a little deception she said well it's not deception you let me judge but she said something that was kind of interesting and it was kind of you know she said that if she were late coming home I'm thinking why were you late but we ain't going there because <laughs> when I did things for my husband I did it in love and I took time to do it makes a big difference but she worked and so a lot of times working women use that as an excuse to rush, rush through everything got me they picked up the same excuse devil that working husbands have always <laughs> Well, I love you. I work every day. I can't be here all the time because I got to go to work. That kind. <coughs> Excuse me. And pretty soon you notice that brother missing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He ain't working all that time. See what I'm saying? We have to be careful what we do with our free time. That when we have commitments to love people and provide a secure environment for them. See, your family, really, you are one another's security. That's why God puts families together is so that they have a base of security in life. And when that security is disturbed by somebody not being there, somebody taking too much time over here and making the others uncomfortable and insecure about well, what, why, why doesn't he want to be here? What, what's, you know, what's the problem? And so that's, that's something that God disapproves of. You don't get assigned a family. You know, you ask God for the family. You went out and found them people and said you want to marry her, have some kids, have a home and all of that. Then you have an obligation to keep that atmosphere and that household secure. And so that's the way I kept my household secure. If I were, when I was working, I worked outside of the home for, for many years. I always had dinner on the table. You got me? Or a reasonable facsimile thereof. You got me? Some leftovers. If I say if I had to work second shift, I did that a lot in the hospital. If I worked second shift, I'd ask my husband. I said, well, what do you want to do for dinner? I said, I can leave you some this, 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 and this. I made plans to make sure he was taken care of. You don't just go to work and tell people, I'm working. I, you know, that's just a, such a, a sucky attitude. You understand what I'm saying? It sucks. It's just bad. And so I, I think when you're when God gives you people to love, you treat them in a loving and a kind and respectful and delicate, gentle manner. You don't ride roughshod over them and, and you look for excuses to shirk your duty. Because you're going to come up short in life. There's going to come a time where you'll need mercy. You'll need kindness. You'll need a good relationship with a spouse and your children. And it won't be there. Because you've taken advantage of them. And so when there's a way, if you're not capable of, of, of doing these things because of lack of time or, or not good planning, there's a way to do it to entreat people so that they understand rather than uh, rebuking them for looking to you for something. That's just bad to do in any kind of situation where you're supposed to support one another. So anyway, well that was free anyhow. But <laughs> but but that's really the purpose of that. The purpose is to build security in a family and to build a good home. And so one of the things this woman said was, well if I was late when I would go home, I would put some onions and peppers in a skillet and let them start cooking, you know? And I'm thinking, uh-uh. You needed to have a meal planned. You don't come in and start cooking and you know you just got off work you have something that you prepared ahead of time what happened to your free time yesterday over the weekend whatever free time you had what happened to that time where you could get the bulk of a meal prepared and maybe just put some vegetables on or something that takes a half hour you don't do that and stall people and you know to buy time why do you need time you know that's you need to get to the root of these things see because many times people are trying to get out of the responsibility of things Amen. and that's why they do it they just want to be responsible for it and don't think for one minute your family doesn't know it because anybody who's halfway perceptive can pick that up 
that that's not important to you and and so forth and so on and you don't ever want to convey that attitude to people that you're you're rushing through things because their comfort and their security is not important to you because you'll pay for it you know you pay for it in uh, children who are angry and rebellious uh, husbands who are distant and eventually find someplace else to be at dinner time than at home that kind of stuff and so it really kind of disperses the family instead of drawing them together see a dinner table is a place uh, where uh, families come together in covenant because meals always imply communion security uh, fellowship uh, family peace love friendship all of that is implied in the breaking of bread together and when that's not important to you you've already said your family's not important when you can easily find an excuse for not doing that you've already said their comfort security and fellowship is not important to you well what's important to you what's important what's important and so we have to understand these things you know there are many people that get married or something like that because they're keeping up with the next person the last person that got married or they don't want to be left out or something like that well those are not reasons that's not going to build a secure family because you'll look around now that you got your family there's something else you want to keep up with out there somewhere and so your heart and your security was never in home it was way out somewhere looking observing what other people have and desiring that and that thing will never be satisfied you can't build relationships on it you can't build families on it you can't build security on it and so God is looking for a sweet savor to come from us and that aroma is the aroma of Christ and what did Jesus do he loved people he healed people he rescued people he taught people the ways of God he demonstrated the love of God wherever he went and so when we do those things then we release the right odor when we go off after self and we're too busy for people and we don't have this and we don't have that you know I think it's it's the ultimate betrayal because when you make a covenant with people they're already depending on you to be there and see when you renege on your 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 uh, commitment to support them to encourage them to provide for them all of that stuff you you diminish and you tear down the security of your base that you God put you in and that's not gonna that won't hold up you know somebody will get disinterested somebody will wander off somebody just won't be there because it's not there in your heart it's not there and so God wants to to sense that aroma of the heart of his son working through you that that's what you you do it because it's God's way you do it because God expects it of you and you do it because you have God's love for people in your heart you've got to have that folks or you you smell God is not pleased with that he's not pleased with that odor that comes all this busy stuff and busy doing what you know he didn't put you here to do all that stuff he put you here to worship him listen to him do what he tells you to do some people will tell me now that they're believers their lives are so different from what they thought they would be I said what you thought you'd be doing running around like these crazy worldly people you know from family to family person to person uh, you know going with this person for a couple of years and that one for a little bit and all that kind of confused stuff so you don't want that you want to admit that savor of Christ you want to um, uh, make sacrifices for the ones you love that's something that people don't you don't even hear that word anymore I know when I was growing up my parents that was a word my parents used all the time we understood what it meant not to have your way all the time and not to have what you want all the time if it was going to hinder somebody else you had to count the costs of everything that you did and so and I knew my parents sacrificed things that they could have had uh, for our sakes you know well, we got four, four kids that was common you have people saying stupid stuff you know you got grown people with children wanting designer things and they're making ten dollars an hour each well come on now 
You know, my mother would have told him so bad. Are you crazy? I got four kids sitting up here. But by the time she got finished preaching to you about her responsibilities and all that you got out of her face with, with nonsense talk, people just didn't talk like that. And they were glad to sacrifice for their children. They were glad to set aside personal desires and needs for the sake of their children. They weren't resentful about it because there was nothing. You know, it's like they would. And I would hear women tell their girls if, if one of the girls would would get pregnant this is your baby you take care of your don't leave him here with me i'm not taking care of this this one's yours and you take care of it well you didn't have four and five babies on welfare you had one and they were helping you know trying to get their life back together again and so it was good for people to take responsibility uh, for themselves and the families that they created. And so that's all God wants us to be responsible to take care of what we begged him for. Begging God. Oh God, when you send me a man. Oh girl, I'm going to have it together. It's going to be tight right out of sight. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember my husband one time. I don't know. We'd been out drinking or something. This was before we got saved. And I woke up. We woke up and looked at each other. I go, huh? He said, huh? I don't believe I, I, don't believe I brought you home with me. Like, you'd be rough. The alcohol did. John Barleycorn did something to you. Nothing else would do to you. It just it was rough. And we both quit drinking after a while. You know, it just, just wasn't a life for us. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you make all these promises to God before the fact. And then after the fact, if, if you don't, if you don't get refined, see, this is the thing. God will plan testing for you to refine you so that you can keep your word. Because the refined part of you is what keeps your word. The carnal part of you then can't keep nothing to nobody. And so when you go through these testings, he, all he's doing is getting you to perform on your own words that you've made, your own promises that you've made to someone. So when we honor God, and, and, and one of the ways to, uh, to make sure that God is with you through the test is to honor him. Do you honor him through worship? You honor him in your giving, honor him in your witness, in, in putting others first and, and finding out what assignment God has for you, fulfilling that assignment. Sometimes our witness is shot. You know, we let the devil get in our mind too tough and then we jump up and do something we're ashamed of and, you know, repent and get get yourself back where God put you and, uh, you know, don't let yourself stay over there. You know, get back in line where you're supposed to be. And so we have to make sure that that our witness honors God. We've got to do that. It's got to bring honor to God. And that way, the odor that we release from our lives is sweet to God. He enjoys it. It's a perfume to him. And we don't smell of smoke even after having gone through that trial. So what keeps us, keeps us smelling right is that we see it the way it is. It's a refining. It's not a punishment. If you think it's a, re a punishment, you're going to smell like smoke when you come out. Because you can keep crabbing. How come I can't have this? How come I can't have this? How? You know, a lot of times we're restrained because we don't have the faith to grab onto these things. I mean, if it were there, God would grant it to you. But it's just not there for you. And so instead of spending your time questioning why you don't have something, start meditating on everything that God is doing for you, everything he's going to do, and being thankful for it. Get a, just develop a heart full of gratitude. Quit looking at what's gone and start looking at what's there. See, we have a lot in God. We have a lot, folks. You just think about the stuff that you have. We have a lot. It's different from each one, for each one of us. But you look at the average sinner working right next to you and you examine your life and see if you don't have a lot in God. So there's a lot to to honor God. You know, we need we need to be willing to honor him with our worship, putting him first, speaking his word in the situations, helping people pray for him if they've got trouble in their homes instead of, oh, I knew something was going to happen because they was mean to me. Come on, folks. Oh, what's going to happen to you when you mean to somebody? So come on now. People are just people. They're not they're not monsters. We're just people. 
So in Genesis 8.21 we see God instituting the altar of incense with Noah. Uh, the uh, sacrifice Noah um, put on that altar was a sweet savor because he honored God and served him. So really what God smells is a reflection of where your heart is. If your heart is in, in selfishness and covetousness and what I don't have and I'll be glad when I get this and I nope, 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 nope. The bad odor. And you can tell because other people don't want to be around you. You know, I mean, you'll turn people off. When you start talking and you open your mouth and they, they quick want to, they can't join in. They can't agree. They can't participate. They just have to let you blow it off and they keep going. So it's, it's very, very, <clears throat> uh, very noticeable on people when they're not engaged in the spirit of God in their lives. So, so after the flood, this was where God gave Noah the rainbow in the sky. That, that odor of that sacrifice was so pleasing to God, God made a promise. He says, I will not destroy the earth by water anymore. So whenever there's a bad rain and a bad flood, you can look up and see a rainbow every single time. Because God keeps his word. Huh? He keeps his word. In Exodus 30, he gave Moses the, the formula for the incense. You notice God tells you what to offer him. You don't just go grab something. That's what got Cain in trouble. And got his brother Abel killed. Whenever there's disobedience in the household. It has the potential to take everybody down. You got me? That's why God puts people in the household. Who can be intercessors. And be obedient and and help that family come through that difficult situation. And so as an intercessor, you can engage God in in making changes that will be a blessing in that household. So but uh uh hey, the components of the incense were were um uh listed for Moses. It was always ground up and beaten. refined in other words purified before it was offered up so that's us folks so don't ever don't even ask why got me God always told me he said well if it's the devil he's easy to take care of he said just rebuke him if he don't move it's me so don't get all excited you got me so it's so okay well you know if you live for God you know the devil doesn't have that much access to your life anyway so if you you live distant from him he won't he won't get that close Psalm 141 says let my prayers come like incense before you so now we have through our words not only our heart but through our words and our actions now we re emit an odor a pleasing odor to God. So it's good to pray through your difficulties. You got me? Pray through your difficulties. Exactly. In Revelations 8, 3 and 4. It says there were bowls of incense in heaven. Which were the prayers of the saints. So there's our prayers are held in heaven. They're so precious to God. And I think sometimes he just. You know somebody just will wave over them. And he gets a pleasing aroma. You know, it's just to refresh God when he needs to be reminded that his children are down there being obedient to him. Isn't that nice? So we always have that that remembrance, that lingering, that smell that lingers, that, that is pleasant. And it's it's nice for people. Uh, it's, it's just that way. I know I remember when I was in nursing, we were not allowed to wear perfume and then they relaxed it a little bit there were certain kinds that you could wear but in that atmosphere if you smelt somebody's perfume it always you thought about them because it was so rare that there was any perfume in that atmosphere and so they did it because many times people are allergic to it you know and you're there to serve you're not there to upset nobody and so people got some wild perfume folks you know it would be wild to me that they you know and some of them bathe in it's like a gallon and a perfume as they hit you before they even get there it's intoxicating but not in a good way but anyway so uh but you know things are it just depends on who's smelling it whether they think it's pleasant or not but but the smoke was always the testimony and evidence 
of your heart condition so when the smoke was offered up on an altar if it rose and went up to heaven that meant your sacrifice was acceptable to God and and oftentimes you will see in the scriptures where angels would appear in the smoke and that further validated <clears throat> that God it was acceptable to the Lord so what what keeps us smelling of smoke is complaining through the trial complaining of how much it it discomforts you how much it hurts you how much it wounds you fear anger and regret in our testimony how do we sum up the experience do we sum it up as being worthwhile because God came through for us or do we have regret about that trial your your outcoming testimony is very important because if if you didn't come out purified there's a chance you will have to repeat it and very quickly or complaining always prolongs a trial because you've quit holding on to the Lord's hand through it so you have to be careful to guard your words was it just agony or did you birth something in that situation huh? you don't want to miscarry your trial you want to come out with something that's that that is life you come out with life out of these things in 2nd Corinthians 2:14 it talks about the <clears throat> thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ to them that are saved and to them that perish so everybody smells this everybody knows your witness everybody can sense when you're coming and you're an odor of life unto life for the believer so the believer should be glad to see you coming now there are some believers who, who are not so you just have to accept that death unto death to those who are perishing there are some believers if they don't talk in tongues and they know you do they you know you you're a bad odor to them so it's it's someone who is is in the same life force that you're in not somebody in disagreement of you so when we're tried what smell do we admit or do we corrupt the word or do we trust God if you feel everything in your trial you're not in Christ in it you're going through as a natural person and the devil's just barbecuing you you know I mean you're, you're the main course at Satan's barbecue that is roast you can tell the difference because you sense fear and defeat you know it's like you might feel comfortable for a minute and then you turn around and fear is looking at you and defeat is looking at you you got me so you must be careful to hold on to God and cling to God and endure throughout the time of the trial you can't call an end to it on your own God knows when you're done if you don't honor God throughout with your service with your worship if you stop doing worship and service to God because this is so important and you can't you understand what I'm saying some people do that they get they get on to something that they claim is God and then it consumes them God doesn't consume you with these things he wants to take the responsibility from you and walk you through it so that you're not hurt by the fire you don't smell like smoke you're not harmed but when you see serving God because you got something so important to do you're you're on the wrong road already see that's a trick of the devil to get you to drop what you would normally do for God take time away from God take money away from God to accomplish something that's wrong that is wrong 100% wrong so you got to honor God in the trial all the way down the line you can't take back anything you've already given to him you can't take back time you can't take prayer you can't take coming to church you can't take any of that stuff back from him and think he's going to see you through it he's not going to 
He demands that you let him have total control. So your worship has to be consistent. Your prayer. And this is where you separate the boys from the men, so to speak, as far as as, um, as, as maturity in God. You don't quit doing what you do for God to run off and do something God has you doing. He doesn't double book people. You know, Pastor Shirley always tells us that God does not double book you. Because you need to invest worship when you're going through. You need to invest honor when you're going through. You need to always be there where God expects you to be when you're going through. Because that's part of your witness. That's part of your purification. Are you going to grow up and let God handle this? Or are you going to act like the world's coming to an end because you've got, a, you've got difficulties? You know what I'm saying? And so some people are good at it. They pick fights to get involved in so they can have an excuse you know it's just any little thing to detract from honoring God no God wants you in his presence more when you are going through challenges where the enemy's trying to overcome you you got to be in his presence I don't see how you can make it I can remember going to church every day from you know I would find out where somebody else what who had a service somebody an odd person would have a service like a Monday night midweek midweek service or Tuesday or Thursday I'd be there every single time in the event God had a message for me to help me through the difficulty so I don't get this I really don't get it but you're you're deceiving yourself if you think that you can cut back I'm not cutting back on God you know I want to give him more you know you just have to keep pressing against your flesh so our weapons if you if you let go of God's hand through the trial what you're doing is you're picking up weak methods and letting go of strong ones you just think your way is strong but it's not it's weak because it says here in 2nd Corinthians 2 10 I mean our 2nd Corinthians 10 verse Paul talks here verse 1 he says to present your your uh, I'm sorry being absent towards you being present I'm bold towards you but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think um, I don't want to that walk after the flesh so he's talking about boldness and confidence in the flesh versus the spirit he says for though we walk in the flesh you're in a flesh and blood body you don't war after the flesh so this that you live in should be all the flesh that you have and he says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty carnal is weak spirit is mighty carnal is the flesh what your your eyes can see your mind can conceive and your mouth can speak pretty much why would you let go of powerful weapons and pick up weak ones Hmm? he says they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds cast down your imaginations in other words if you think you're really going to get ahead without God just throw that down and surrender you got me throw down your carnal weapons and surrender let him arrest you, bind your hands, bind your mouth, sit you down so you don't get in his way and mess something up. He says, in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it to captivity. I mean, this is work, folks. This is the work of your warfare. This is the good fight of faith. Because if your own thoughts are telling you there's an emergency, you can't do this, you got to get it. <laughs> cast that down you said no God I'm going to wait until you move me I'm going to wait until you give me instruction I'm going to wait until you tell me what to do because you'll find out in in many of our trials there's always this gray area where we're not certain about how God would think in these matters see those things the things that are revealed belong to us but the secret things belong to him and he'll reveal them when he's ready to obedient people so you might as well just let it all go and just go hang in there somewhere and realize that that what you think is an intolerable situation is very tolerable in Christ is very tolerable in Christ so everything 
Okay, so we said you 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 have to stay a hold of God's hand in this. And so when you get in, involved in a trial, it should be because of your stand in God. Now, some of our situations are self-inflicted, but we can always find God's will in them. So, even if you're in a trial and you're not sure, you can find God in it because the Bible says he is a present help in trouble. So he is right there with you in your trouble and he is going to help you out of your trouble. But you're going to have to find him in it. Now how do you find God in trouble? Well you cry out to him. You go get your Bible. You go open it. You go find out God's mind. You'll find out that even in a trial, say where somebody's against you, God loves them too. You know, you'll find out how God feels about situations and how he really feels about people. See, these are the things we need to be refined in. Because if you get in a trial and you have an adversary, you find out that God tells you to pray for that person, have compassion for them, you know, stop fighting them so much, be at peace with them, all that kind of stuff. And you find out that you're still antagonistic, you've got to be refined in that. There's no two ways about it. He loves everybody. And he wants to love and respect every people who really who even people who are against you want something out of life. And God sees that. And he knows he can bring it to them. So if he has to bring it through them, through you, and you getting in fire, that's what he'll do. So in Daniel chapter 3, we see this familiar story about the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Daniel had already been tried. He voluntarily put himself in that trial. And this is something that's good to do. When you see uh, a situation where it's either choose God's way or the world's way and you choose God's way you voluntarily put yourself in a trial there they work both ways I mean Daniel could voluntarily put himself in him but he also had a test where he was kind of thrust into it he was kind of uh, the king was deceived and he got into a trial oh it's not fair they always treat Christians bad just quit whining and stay in the fire (laughs) God's got something to take care of that wine and it's not a little cheese to go with it either. A little barbecue. So the king threw some of his, uh, the thing of it is that when Daniel came out of his trial he was rewarded. So he was in charge. He sat at the king's, in the king's court all the time at his right side. He was his right, what they call right hand, a uh, hand of strength. His counselor, he consulted him, all of that stuff. In uh, Daniel 2 and um, verse 48, the king made Daniel a great man, gave him many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So all the Hebrew boys were promoted. It's nice when you get somewhere to take somebody else with you, take some of God's people with you. And so speak up for them. If you know they're quality people, if you know they can add something to the situation, always be mindful to give them a good reference to, to promote them and speak up for them because they may save your life one day. You know what I'm saying? So Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold and so forth and so on. And so there, and there was a thing in the, in the town where whenever you heard that music, huh? everybody had to drop what they were doing almost like it reminded me of musical chairs you know you're walking around and then you got to find a place to kneel down and worship you know and and they didn't know any better you know it's kind of like it reminds me of like worldly stuff oh that's my song you hear it in the supermarket you got to stop and dance it's that kind of stuff that they were they were doing right the bail thing bail i like bail he cool he all right that's my bail I, I, when i get weary i go to bail and he gonna take me right to hell but, you know what i'm saying you know that kind of thing when you hear your favorite song that's the kind of attitude they had here because they didn't know any better they were seeking God 
but couldn't find him. And that's always essential to understand whenever we're in a trial. There's a revelation of God for everybody that's going to come out of it. And see, these things are important to God. They may not be important to us. What may be important to us, we think, is getting what we need, getting out of trial, getting this, getting that, getting rid of this person, getting rid of that one, getting this out of my life, getting that out of my life. All that's important to us. But God wants to reveal himself to people. That's what you got to remember. It's not about you all the time. And so it's definitely about your witness. You'll see from the, the profile that these young men had in this kingdom. They were high profile people. And see the problem we have now with Christians. High profile Christians. They think they're beyond being tested because of where they are. And when they are to they are entitled to receive the most fiery test because of where they are. And so they were they were saying here. They had to uh, to uh, dedicate this image and whoever didn't fall down in verse 6. Whoever did not fall down in worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And so they heard this music. Everybody bows down except these uh, Daniel and these three Hebrew boys. And so it's not Daniel's time to be tested but it's their time. And so in verse 12 it says there are certain of the Jews that have you've set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach. Now this is the devil setting you up. This is his lies coming against you. He's fanning the flames of the fire, making it hotter. And O king, they have not regarded you. They don't serve your gods and they don't worship the golden image which you've set up. And Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded that they be brought to them. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, he said, is it true? In other words, he sees value in these men. He doesn't want this to be the situation. In other words, the king is entreating them and pleading with them to compromise. We ever have people like that in your life? They keep pleading with you. To compromise. It was, oh, it was Sister Ingrid said it, there was a gentleman in her church that kept telling her she had to marry a man that had children already. You got me? Compromise. Set your sights lower than what God has for you. You got me? Or somebody who is divorced or something like that with a past and baggage, all that kind of stuff. Why would another believer speak that on somebody? But see, the devil will set people in your midst to to try and and get you to compromise so you can avoid the, the fire of the trial of waiting. She waited. She believed God. She stood. She did what she needed to do. But see there was a place where the enemy thought if he could poison her mind and get her to to get weary of waiting. Get weary of standing. Instead of just saying oh Lord if if I burn I'm not going to turn. You know what I'm saying? Do wait. So he says you don't serve my gods and you don't worship the image. He says if you be ready at what time you hear it you know I'll give you another chance to dance for the devil. Amen. And he says, who is that God that will deliver you out of my hands? In other words, the devil will tell you, oh no, there's there's no hope for you. You got to go this way. See, there's nothing over you. Are you crazy? You, you, you're getting too old to try and believe God for somebody else. You, you understand what I'm saying? He tell you all this kind of stuff. Verse 16, they both, all three of them answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not even scared. We don't have to think twice about this answer. See, when you honor God, you have purposed in your heart no matter. When your heart's purposed to honor God, there's never any chance of changing. You don't even think about it. It doesn't, you consider not, in other words. You don't even consider this. He says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. In other words, he's bigger than you are, O king. Because we serve the one true and living God. Now this comes from people who know God. God won't put you in any kind of test situation that you don't know him well enough to be able to master it. So whatever situation you're in that thinks you think is so bad and so overwhelming. If you will stay with God he'll show you you're able to master it. 
He says, if it, if it, but if he doesn't do it, let it be known to you. He said, we are decreeing this thing right now that we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the image that you have set up. And then his, his, his countenance changed. See, when the devil's being nice to you, that's the time to be concerned. That's when you stand your ground. Because nobody wants to see the devil exposed in their life. But see, when you tell the truth and you keep standing on the truth, that exposes him. Truth always exposes the devil. And so there he's, his countenance changed. His face is full of fury. And he says <clears throat> he got he got to the people who were going to throw him in he was so angry he says not hot enough heated up seven times more and so that's what the devil does to us when you take a stand for God he heats it up as high as it can get there's always another something fuel he can add to the fire to up the ante that's why a lot of times people just quit and say it's not worth it to serve God. I'm serving God and he still don't come and rescue. No, the fire's not quite hot enough to do what we need to do in you. See, you're talking about uh, getting getting your family reconciled and getting your, you know, you may think they're small things, but it takes a lot of love to love people into submission to God, folks. And when you've been abandoned and rejected, it's just not there. And so God has to refine that anger and resentment and, and hurt off of you and get down to the nugget of his life that's in you. Because it's in there. It just needs to be refined out. So so the uh, they, they heat it up seven times hotter. They bind them up in verse 21. So when you're in a trial in God, you don't move on your own power. All carnal power is off limits. That's when verse 21, these men were bound in their coats, their hose and hats and all and their other garments and were cast into the middle of the burning fiery furnace. So you go in like a mummy. You know, you hop around behind Jesus. If he says hop, you hop. If you don't hop, just sit still. You got me? And they fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke, said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered, True, O king. He answered, Lo, I see four men loose walking around in the fire. And that's where you want to live. You want to live in a place of being bound but loose. Yeah. You're bound from your natural resources, but you're loosed in the way of the Spirit. So your spirit is free to experience the life of God. They're walking around in there with Jesus. He's the fourth man in the fire. We all know that. And so he was in there to protect them from the ill effects of the fire. But you see what was burnt. The stuff that, that binds you from being free in the spirit. Your anger, your resentment, your, your self-pity, your guilt, your fear. All that stuff gets burnt off. And you walk around free to experience the life in the Spirit. Yes. See, you can experience the love, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit. You can experience the righteousness of God. You can experience self-control and self-discipline. You can have all of those things available to you. But you cannot have the fleshly, carnal opportunities available for you. This fire will take care of your anger for good. It'll take care of your popping off at people and being easily provoked. It'll take care of that. Why? Because the things that bind you are being burnt off your life. You're being purified. God's taken away that impulsiveness and that nervousness around people makes you want to chatter all the time and, and want attention from people when you come into a place. And all of this kind of stuff, it's getting burned off of you. And then you're loose to experience God. It's the greatest thing. You can experience freedom in the spirit with Jesus. Where he can show you things. He can teach you things. All you need to get a wise get a experience and wisdom in a saint is to get him in some fire. Huh? You will find out, man, we pull for, when you don't have anything in the natural, you, you start pulling from the spirit, man, you pull, say, you, what? I didn't know this was here. You mean I can have that? You mean God's got that for me? Yes. That's what he wants. And that's what we should want. We should never let our life be, be 
summed up in how many carnal things we were able to get quickly and how little trouble we had that's that's no sign of anything that doesn't mean anything when we get in the the midst of something where we've made a stand for God where we're trying to be loving and kind but but get things done at the same time see this is this proves God in us so <clears throat> right yeah so God, this this king found out that there were some people there that would not bow to him and were not afraid of him and that's what you want. You you want to, the enemy to know. Not people. You want the enemy to know. You only got one enemy and that's the devil. You know he, he keeps himself cloaked in flesh to deceive us into thinking we're fighting people all the time. You're not, you don't have anything against people. You got to love people. You got to want to help people. You got you to you know, stretch yourself out for people. You got to let yourself be crucified so that people can, can gain a knowledge of God. So... You know, the, when we when we understand what's going on here, we'll understand that that these Hebrew boys had overcome something that would become their trademark in that kingdom, and that is understanding who they really were. And people in the world have an image problem; they'll bow down to anything. You know, you just tell them, we'll worship this, this kind of music, this is what's going now, and this is what's going now, and they'll just bow down to it. But these boys had come to an understanding of who they really were, and they held on to their identity and to their God, because your God is 100% your identity. You're a Christian now. You're not a, a whatever ethnic group you are. You're not some kind of denominational group. You belong to Christ. And when you have that identity everywhere you go, then that's the aroma God smell. See, when these boys went into the fire and they hold, held on to the Lord, that odor of a sweet smell of Christ came forth out of that fire. That thing is what, what the, the king noticed. And he jumped up and, and went in there and looked and found out that he said, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Your biggest adversary will be your biggest convert because when they see what you go through see they're personally involved in wanting to see your demise and that's when God needs to be real big in the situation and you need to be real small when they start getting when when there's a personal investment that they make in wanting to see you come down then when God shows up then that revelation is even greater and he says He says, they have no hurt. Verse 25. Lo, I see four men loose walking in the middle of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now, how do you know that? He had an encounter with God already. He'd had an encounter, but he didn't know how powerful he was. He didn't know how strong he was. He didn't know what God could do. And he says, then he came near to the burning fiery furnace and spoke and says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God. In other words, they've been now identified as servants of the Most High God. First, at first they were suspects. You know how it is. You, you, you're you at work and people talk in the, in the uh, coffee room. And when you come in, they shut up. And they, then they want to question, well, what kind of Christian are you? You're a suspect. But see, when you get in a trial where they're personally invested in trying to get rid of you, uh, then you become a, you know, a, a convert. You're a witness then. And then they become converts. Amen. So you're established. So this is to establish you. Once you're established, whatever demon it was that was making them pick at you, he's off the throne. And you're on. God's on the throne now. So all you're doing is eliminating devils from situations through confrontation and standing through the fire. Just tell them, no, I'm serving God. You you know, I'm not backing down from that. (laughs) I'm not wavering. I know what he told me. And I know what his word says. I'm I'm not confused about this at all. I know exactly what God's word says on this. And I'm going to obey God's word. And so... He says, come here, and then they came forth out of the midst of the fire. They were content to stay there until they were released. 
it's another thing about refining. It don't bother you to stay there a little bit longer. You got me? And the princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Got no power. In other words, standing for God is not going to kill you. It's not going to put you out of the house. It's not going to take your rent money. It's not going to make you broke. It's not. The fire has no power over you and your assets. When it says body, it means bodily comforts and bodily necessities as well. It has no power over your health. It has no power over your mental condition. It has no power over your, you know, your, your home to put you out of your house or something like that. And he says, who the king sent his angels, then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, blessed be the God. Oh, he wants to worship now. You got me? See, there's always somebody who's this close to worshiping God. And when they see that they can't take you away from God and they can't get you to fight on their level and they can't get you to, you know, put take your teeth out or take your weave off or something and throw it on the ground and, and want to go fight them. You got me? Your little assets, right. Rub yourself with Vaseline, whatever. They, when they see they can't get you to do that, then now all of a sudden they want to, what church you go to? What? Where they were all anti at one time, now they all want to know, you know, where if can they go to? You got me? So he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. In other words, King says, I've met somebody mightier than me. See, this is how laws get changed. This is how, how cities change. This is how Christians just have to take a stand that they know is God. I'm not talking about these people who run the funerals, military funerals, and try to upset everybody. I'm talking about people who take a stand that they know is God. And he says they've yielded their bodies that they might not serve or worship any God except their own God. And that God that they worship delivered them. So I have no need to try and make nobody worship nobody because we found the real God here. This is what I'm looking for. He says, therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted them. Always a promotion at the end of a trial. Now I'm not talking necessarily about job promotion or anything. But that will come too. If that's what you want. Then that's what God will give you. You know come on now. But we're talking about something eternal. That cannot be taken away from you. See once you know how to defeat a devil. You know how to defeat a devil. Because it's been proven already. You know you don't have to (laughs) go back to square one. And start all over again. You just take up where you left off. Smashing his head in. Bashing his face in. And letting, letting God be God. So our honor of God makes the devil mad. We know that. He turned the fire up that much hotter. But you go ahead and withstand it. Because your witness is secure in God. He's got your witness already. The minute the devil's exposed. You already know it's working. You know, you know it's working. Because he's. You know these people were real nice to you. All of a sudden get mad at you for no reason. Start saying mean things about your ministry. And all that kind of stuff. All that nonsense. But you know God will put knock them, that devil off the throne. A lot of times people don't aren't discerning they just speak what their mind tells them to speak and the devil's behind it and so God has to knock that devil off the throne in order to get his work done you know that happened to us a lot we first came to Detroit there's so many people that talked against us they're not even here anymore you understand what they're not here anymore and so we have to understand that when God gives you something you just stand where he tells you to stand you stand where he tells you to stand and you speak from that position God can save by many or by few. When he's doing a work somewhere, you just have to stay with the work, you know, and and not get distracted. So the sacrifice of the sweet smell, that's what God wants from us. Where all the, the dross is burned off, everything that's against us, our spiritual 
release our spiritual strength anything that's been binding us it was sometimes we're in the spirit sometimes we're in the flesh we don't know which way to go what's going to work that kind of stuff that that'll dissipate so you you'll be able to figure out the right way to go binding in the accusation of the devil that's what he wants to get rid of in the test devil talks about what we used to be and tries to accuse us of being that in the now and so but when you trust God your identity is secure you know who you are a child of God so you need to find out what the devil's using to bind you and realize that that stuff's going to get burned off it'll as long as you stay with God and you'll know the freedom of life in the spirit you're not going to be it's not like you well, I can't do anything I can't pay my bills I'm just bound no it's not about that it's about binding you from exercising your fleshly will to try and defeat a spiritual enemy because that that method is weak that way of doing thing is already weak it's not strong and so God wants you to pick up spiritual weapons for a change let go of the carnal stuff let go of the scheming and trying to get uh, understanding from man and, and following man's trail because that's going to lead to your defeat it really will you don't think it is because it looks so right but it will lead to your defeat if God's not in it so God's purpose for the fire is to loose what binds you and not destroy you even though you may think if you stay in your flesh you may think you're dying if you focus on it but he will honor you for taking the heat in the situation and he'll actually take the heat for you so that when you come forth you won't even smell a smoke nobody will know what you've been through nobody will even know you're going through anything because it's a private thing between you and God spiritual things are always private things until God reveals them in a public way so they were content to stay in the fire because of who was with them that's that'll make the difference in your level of contentment and when you he's with you the fire definitely has no power over you does it, it won't consume you you won't even fear the fire you won't smell like smoke when you come out but you'll have a sweet savoring testimony your testimony will be that of a person who came out a loving person who came out a a um a triumphant person somebody who honors God and and knows that close contact with God you know people say I just want to be close to the Lord well you can be no nothing's hindering you you know and get close to him in worship get close to him in the word he says draw nigh to me I'll draw nigh to you he's not withdrawing from us at all but there are times when these types of of enemies need to be defeated in us they're not external they're internal and so and that's the best part about it because when you come away from this you take something of God greater understanding of God a greater knowledge and power of God you come out with something that's inside of you that cannot be taken away and you'll understand the process and why God has us if he gave you everything you wanted today in your flesh you quit serving him tomorrow you just run off with the goods like just like the prodigal son did he just you know he just, come on now we've got to believe God for it we've got to enter into his life understand patience in God understand the patience of God and how to come through in the fruit of the spirit the way he, well he wants us to come out like heirs not beggars he wants us to come out like uh, royalty not like riffraff you know so he's there's a position he wants us and a dignity he wants us to carry in the earth and he's intending for us to have that amen well father we thank you for your word and for understanding that comes with your word for blessing us with knowledge with honor with dignity because we are yours we bless you father and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer.